I'm Yamilka Rodriguez, and this is the Brand Therapist Podcast, where we come together and dive deep into the psychology of branding. We live in a new era that asks us to step up and show our individuality, learn what makes us unique and different in this world. Let's open the door to possibilities so you can win in business, life, and relationships, because everything starts with you. Welcome, 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 dear Mora Payne. I'm so excited to have you here today. I know if you guys are actually watching this live, you will see her as a little spot, which she very strategically did for this interview, which I love. I love her for that. So we're going to go ahead and get started. But before I do, it wouldn't be a brand therapy session if we didn't ask questions about childhood. So Moria, tell me, is there something in your childhood story that inspired what you do today? Okay, well, I had quite an unusual childhood. I was born in India on a tea plantation. I was sent off to boarding school as a five-year-old in India. And I can honestly say that probably shaped my resilience from an early age. Wow. And when my parents came home, I was eight years old. We came back to Scotland and we came to my mother's uh, birthplace, which were the, uh, the kind of remote islands off the northwest of Scotland. And I was struck by the hauntingly beautiful landscape. And so I think those early experiences, sort of having to be strong and independent as a small child in a bewildering boarding school, and then coming home to incredibly pristine and very special landscapes. So those two things, I think, shaped who I am. Oh, wow. So tell me again, how old were you when you went to boarding school? I was five. You were five. Okay, yeah. So they say that a lot of things get impregnating right before our seventh birthday. Is that right? Well, in India at the time, families had the choice. Many families sent their children home to be educated. So they were sent to dreadful boarding schools in Scotland and England. And the grandparents would be the ones that would go and pick them up for holidays and things because the parents were in India. And so my parents had a choice of sending me home or putting me into this boarding school, which was run by missionaries from the UK. So they chose, you know, the boarding school. And so it was a very kind of religious school. And the sort of the planters were being ousted, obviously, from India. It was a time when the British were being asked to leave, appropriately so. And so I was one of a a very few children, you know, who were planters' children. And the rest were, you know, were there through the church and through the kind of missionary system. Wow, that's pretty incredible. So tell us a little bit about what you do today and how that kind of helps shape where you are in this moment in in time. Well, I think I traveled a lot as a child and I was always looking for new frontiers. So I'm very much a future thinker. And I think nothing of uprooting my family and taking them wherever we all need to be. And I went to nine different schools. 
so I really understand that you become a different person within every context that you meet. And it is possible for somebody to grow and change. And that context is rarely understood. Everybody thinks it's very much about the person and their own development, but actually you are very much shaped by your context and the people around you. That is so true because, you know, I was also a traveler as a child and we moved a lot of places. My father was a professor, so he also moved us around a lot. And I could not say that a lot of that helped me in what I do today and what I am today. At the beginning of my childhood, I was very angry at him for that. (laughs) But I realize now that it was the best thing that happened to me. So tell us a little bit about your profession and what you do and how you've moved around with your profession. Well, I, I went to Glasgow School of Art and it was the most incredible beginning to my career. And we were taught the traditional skills, you know, in Glasgow, we were taught in the French way, you know, it was plein air painting, it was the model in front of you, hours studying and rendering and drawing. And that's how I was brought up in art college, but also Glasgow School of Art had this enormous, we had a new director, Tony Jones, who went on to be the director of the the Royal College and the Art Institute of Chicago. He launched the college again and it became, and it was becoming internationally famous while he was there. So all of us blossomed and the college blossomed under his watch. So it was a great time. We were terribly arrogant. We thought we were the best art college in the world. We were told that we had managed to get into the best art college in the world. So we had this kind of real inflated sense of ourselves as artists and a sense of success and potential. And it was a great upbringing. So I think, you know, I started there and became a painter, but quite quickly and surprisingly, when I left, got married and had children, or my first child. And at that point, I was the sort of the wife and the mother, but I never gave up painting. So I always worked as a painter and I did began to do quite well. I had a gallery in New York, in Chicago. I did a lot of sort of spot lecture tours to the US. Uh, Scottish painting in the 80s was doing very, very well. And they were, you know, a lot of people I knew. So I did a sort of lecture tour talking about Scottish art uh, across the US. I came backwards and forwards a lot. There weren't a lot of women uh, role models in Scotland. So I had to come to the US to find them. And so I would come every year if I could. And then that was the beginning of my career in the arts. But at one point, my gallery director said to me, you have to choose. Are you choosing academia or are you going to be a painter? And I realized at that point that I was interested in the ideas and the transformation that would happen through the arts more than I was in the commercial process of selling paintings and being involved with galleries. So I chose academia. And from that point, you know, I became a director. Then I became a provost. When my husband retired, we came to the U.S. And now I'm helping or working with a little group of intrepid people here building a small college. And so it's been a kind of fantastic journey, but a a deliberate, you know, I deliberately chose academia. You've done so much for the city here and it's so exciting where it's going. I was telling everybody because we went to the graduation a few weeks ago and I was telling everybody that this is a moment in history. 
We are making history in this moment with this college that I know you're trying to get accredited and all these things that are happening in your life. But it wouldn't be right if we didn't talk about some of the things that happened to us through that transformation. So tell me a little bit about your personal brand. What's Moira's personal brand? My personal brand. Well, I I tend not to think of myself as a brand, but I think... I think I'm incredibly resilient and, you know, a little bit bomb-proof. I used to say, well, I don't actually suffer from stress. I now know that that's just a lie. And I, I think strong, and I hope people would describe me as kind. That's beautiful. So what is your greatest fear? My personal fear is, you know, like I live for my children and all fear is wrapped around my children only. Apart from that, I'm scared of nothing. But over and above that career-wise is that, I, you know, I really, really want to see this college take the next step and, and thrive. I love that. So tell me, can you identify a moment in time where you were holding yourself back? I, I think, I, you know, I'm old enough, Yamilka, to step into a very traditional married role early on. I was the wife and I supported my husband and he was doing quite an important job at the time. And I very much stayed in the background and took care of the children and entertained the visitors and the guests and cooked for residents and students who came to this um, place hospital field house where he, he was building a residency. So I don't think I was, you know, holding myself back in a resentful way. But I do remember stepping into a traditional role, but it gradually changed. And I realized that I had to step beyond that role, find my own space. And I brought my own female, brought my daughter up in that way to also begin to think about her own ambitions and career quite early. And she's now a very successful air and space lawyer. And she moves forward with confidence I know we don't get through these things without having some sort of mentor. Can you remember any mentors that really help you through this? Tony Jones, who I talked about, who was the sort of the director of the Royal College in London and the president of the Art Institute of Chicago twice. Uh, He was the president of Kansas City Art Institute and he was the president of Glasgow School of Art. So I only knew him as the director when I was a student, but after I left, We got to know Tony and he became a lifelong friend and mentor and, you know, would sort of always be somebody I could call or who would coach me or bring me advice or point me at something that I needed to move towards. I really couldn't have done it without him. And that and two dear girlfriends, one who's a painter in Vancouver and another friend who's a dean in in the Art Institute of Chicago, Leslie and Dawn. Those three people have helped me all along my journey. I've been traveling the road beside them. Oh, I love that. So tell me a breakthrough you had where you thought something was impossible, but you got through the other side. Oh, my goodness. That, that, that's the history of KiCad. It's <laughs> <laughs> sort of a, everybody works very hard, but it does continue to be the miracle school. 
And there are many points in the last five years where I literally would think, okay, that's it, that's it, we're done, we're done. And two, three hours later, some magical thing would happen and lift us forward. So I I don't quite know what that is. It feels like this thing has its own volution, its own movement. So in spite of us, this thing is moving on. So, you know, I've had a couple of terrifying moments. I love that. Well, but you've gotten through the other side in those moments. It's very much a team gathering around the mission. And I describe the board that way too. And we figure it out. And there are some really dear patrons who are dying for the college to take the next step, but have managed to hold on to us through really difficult times. Right. I actually, you know, just being in the graduation, I could see that there's a beautiful team right there, right? Absolutely. A lot of camaraderie and helping each other and all levels. And it's just beautiful to see that come together. It was astounding. I've never seen more love poured into one event. You know, like Melissa, our registrar, hand-stitched the 100 programs and one of our faculty's mothers stitched the flags and the sashes for the students. And, you know, our CFO had name tags made. And my assistant, Shandi, her friend made bows for the back of the chairs. And the technician made gift boxes for the students. And I mean, the list goes on and on. Everybody went beyond the usual to make it such a special, special event. Everybody did. It was astounding. Our HR officer ironed the gowns and it was as if we were all planning our something that was incredibly important to us. And so it was a great success. It was fun. Yes, it was beautiful. So tell me, what has been your biggest reward in life? My children. You know, I know that's such a typical sort of mom, female thing to say, but it really, their successes you know, that's the sort of the most joyful thing for me is their success. And I mean, little successes too, you know, not just the big ones, but the little ones, you know, their wee steps and just in the day, I don't know, just tiny things. I do take great pleasure. I, I, I am learning gratitude as I grow older. And, and as I move towards retiral too, you know, I hope to go back to being the mothership for them. And, you know, I've abandoned them slightly as I'm focusing on other things in my life. And going back to being that will be an enormous pleasure. Oh, that's beautiful. So tell me, when did you know that you had become famous? <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew in Seattle when I walked into cafes and things, people actually recognized me. And, you know, the sad thing is, Yamilka, I don't think I was famous. I think it was infamous. And, <laughs> you know, that was, I came to Seattle and I uh, instigated change at Cornish College of the Arts. And I did it really fast, which nobody was used to. And so I caused, I think I was like a firestorm for these poor people. And they were extremely mad at me. And the local newspapers followed every move I made And I was at the same time as the Seattle magazine was sort of celebrating me as one of Seattle's uh, most influential. The other magazine was going, and guess what she's doing now? 
And so I was in the papers and, you know, like it was so shocking, you know, like I'm this sort of quiet Scottish person and, and it was terrible and interesting. And I realized that there is no such thing as bad press. The minute you become a focus that people are interested in hearing about, that actually can only be good for your organization. So I aim to be as infamous as possible and as troublesome as I can so that we can get KiCad moving forward. Um, I love that. I love that because I know that even when you came to Louisville, you had a little bit of a fame thing going on here because I think you have this integrity, this piece that you have to make sure that things are done great, but with integrity and purpose and meaning. I think that throws people off at times. (laughs) It doesn't, Yamilka. Well, thank you for saying that. I take that as a compliment. I do think integrity is important. Say what you think and say what you mean. And you're right that that is not always welcomed. It's part of our culture, Scottish culture, is to be incredibly direct. It is the only respected way. I can't shake the very foundations of who I am. But you're right. I think integrity for anybody in higher education is extremely important and If you lose it, you lose your bearing and actually it would be impossible to operate. Yes, that is true. So since we're there, what are the lessons learned for you? Give me, I know you have probably many, but give me three or four lessons learned. Lessons learned. One of the most important lessons is uh, don't let things polarize. Never allow black and white to enter your lexicon. Always keep the ball rolling and keep things in the middle. And the second lesson is time is your friend and never react in the moment, but give issues and good things and bad things time to unfold gently because perspectives change as people focus on whatever is arising in the moment. And a third one, I think I learned in the US that sometimes if you're in leadership, it is not really about who you really are. It's about the perception of who you are. And for me, that felt facile, not real, not something that was worth cultivating. But now that I'm nearly out the other end, I realize that actually it's quite important to pay attention to that part of the role. Yes, it sure is. And then the last question I have for you is, what's next for Maura Payne? What's next on your agenda What are you looking forward to? It could be like in the near future, it can be three years from now, five years from now. I'm looking forward to a flotation tank and (laughs) I'm looking forward to accreditation and that will vindicate the work that the team have done here. I would like them to be recognized for the work they've done. And I'm looking forward to I know, again, it's so boring, but I really am looking forward to being able to be a granny and being, as I said, the mothership for my own children. And, you know, I'm focusing on them a little bit. You know, what can I bring to them that gives them a bit of a a lift? I love that. Well, thank you, Maura, for being so amazing. You're the most amazing person I know. I'm so honored to share some board meetings with you and some friendship with you. As you know, I love Scottish heritage and my husband has some, so I'm very connected to that in some way or another. And I also love what you were talking about magic, because I do feel like if we all don't feel like there's some sort of magic somewhere, 
life gets a little boring, you know, and it doesn't get exciting and we don't get to do new things. So tell us a little bit for the listeners, where can they find you if they want to know more about you? Well, they can just come and have a cup of tea at the mansion at 505 West Ormsby. And, you know, my office is always open and just by the front door. So literally pop in and my email address is on the website and we welcome people into CACAD. We really need people to know we're here, help us celebrate our students. And we were so proud of our students' first show and they really did well. So Mackenzie and Jada and Austin and and now we're just watching their journey. So it's been an exciting time. It has been. And, and it's beautiful to see that young generation going all out. And there's so much, I have to say, I don't know if it's just the time passing, but they're so much smarter than we were. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty impressive. Three, you know, three impressive students they are. Yes, they are. That was beautiful just to see their art and how a lot of people don't like to share their emotions, but it's so important for human beings to be able to see that and feel that emotion and that it totally evoked all those emotions when I was in the space looking at all their art. So that was beautiful to see and hoping that more can get just that dedication that the professors have and and that you have with the college and bring more people here and also take the people here internationally so they can see the world and experience the world because I with you agree that the more we get to experience the world the more we get to feel and sense and hear other people the more we integrate different cultures different perspectives I think the more we grow as individuals. I couldn't agree more, Yamilka. You know, I think by even leaving your own hometown and going out into the world, you look back at what you have and what your own place is with a different understanding and a sense of its value. Uh, We're planning to take all of KiCad to Scotland in the spring next year, and we'll be fundraising. And, you know, it's kind of interesting how many of our students have really not been very far. Some have not even, you know, have barely been out of Kentucky. So to take them to London and Scotland and Europe next year will be pretty exciting. So that's on the horizon for us. And I, too, think that travel is important. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, thank you, Maura. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your amazing responses. And thank you for being here with me. And I can't wait to continue the conversation with you. Thank you, Yamilka, and thank you so much for volunteering and being on our board. I'm truly grateful. Thank you. Always. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Brand Therapist. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. If you'd like to connect with me on social, you can find me at Yamilka Rodriguez Branding bespoke branding agency, or email me at yamilka at yamilka.com. Thanks for listening.